0: All right. If you don't have a Bible as you sit down, there's a stack of them on the table in the back. All those blue books back there. Make sure you grab one. So, does anybody remember what book we're in? Colossians. There's a couple of you you know. So let me ask you guys a question. Show of hands, be honest here. Does anybody besides me ever struggle with prayer? A lot of us do. And, And there's different reasons for that. A lot of us have different Different reasons for struggling with prayer. And I think there's a lot of different people that struggle with prayer. For some people, they struggle with prayer because they don't feel like they know what to say. They don't know how to talk to God. They don't feel like they have the right words to speak to God. Some people struggle with the fact that they just don't like to pray out loud in front of people. Anybody ever have that problem? I, I Man, I used to have it bad. All the way through like middle and high school and even into college, if somebody would ask me to pray, I, w- I wouldn't do it. In fact, I remember, I think, was it, was it our Chicago mission trip in college? There were 30, no, there was 18 of us on that trip. We took a group of 18 college students to inner city Chicago. And one night before this church service that we were leading, we're standing around in the back room. And of course, we, we circle up and we hold hands. And, and the guy who was in charge of the trips looks straight at me, the guy who's grown up in church his entire life, has been in all the vacation Bible schools and heard all the prayers and learned all the lessons, looks me right in the eye and says, Jesse, will you pray for us? And everybody just kind of looks at me. And I look at him. And I look around the circle. And I look back at him. And I say, no. (laughs) Because I was scared to death to pray in front of people. And, And I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. For some people, they struggle with prayer because you have a hard time paying attention when you pray. Like you start out praying, Dear God, thank you for my family. And thanking God for your family makes you think of family dinners that you have sometimes. Dear God, thank you for family dinners, which makes you think of tacos because you love tacos on Taco Tuesday at family dinner time. So you thank God for tacos, and before you're done, you went from thanking God for your family to thanking God for Moe's and Taco Bell. Because we struggle staying focused when we pray. Some people just have trouble staying awake when they pray. Anybody ever fallen into that trap? Like you lay down at night. Okay, God, I'm going to pray to you before I go to sleep. And like three words in, you're... And you're done. We all struggle. We all have problems sometimes. And maybe not problems, but we have struggles in trying to pray because maybe we don't feel like we know how to talk to God. Maybe we don't feel like we have the right words to talk to God. But as we jump back into Colossians tonight we're going to be in chapter 4 starting in verse 2, we find that, that that is exactly what is being talked about, what's being written about, is prayer. And as we talk about every single week, first of all, does anybody know how many weeks we've been in the book of Colossians now? A lot. Wait, I heard a number. Who said a number? 14? This is week number 14 right here. Absolutely. Good job. You got it right there. And hey, we have one more week after this, okay? And then we're going to finish up the book of Colossians, But yes, this is our 14th week, so I hope by now you know that when we walk through a book of the Bible, there's certain things we need to know about that book in order to properly study it, and I've asked you guys some questions all 13 weeks in a row now that we've done this, so I want to see if you still know those answers after this long Christmas and New Year's break. So who wrote the book of Colossians? Paul. Where do we believe he was when he wrote it? Prisons, just, a lot of you knew that one. When do we think he wrote it? 60 to 62 A.D. Where, well, no, where it Where was it written. What were the two reasons we've talked about that it was written? To encourage and to warn. Okay, and now here comes the, the ultimate question. What's the main idea or main theme running through this book? Supremacy of God, supremacy of Christ in all things. That's absolutely right. Guys, these matter, these things are important, so as we study Scripture, we know who wrote it, we know when they wrote it, we know why they wrote it, so that we understand how to properly step through it and study it. And this time, tonight, we're going to be in Colossians 2, verses, excuse me, Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6, and as I've done every week, I've asked one of you guys to come up here and read that for us, so Mr. Travian, come on up here and read that for us tonight. Y'all give it up for Dravian for being bold. Come on up here, buddy. You can read right into that microphone. If you guys would, please stand with us in the honor of reading God's Word. He can move it. You're taller than she is. There you go. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. All right, let's pray. Thank you for letting us come here today and learn more about you. Just let us leave here knowing more about what Pastor Jesse is here to teach us about. Thank you. His name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Traven. Have a seat. You guys can sit down. So let's step back through these couple verses. Okay. And, and one of the things that I hope you'll see tonight is as we walk through these verses, we see two different things going on in verses two, three, and four. We see Paul talking to the Colossians about how to speak to God about people. Does that make sense? These are verses that are focusing on how to speak to God about people. And then when we move into verses 5 and 6, we see verses that are talking about, I'm saying this wrong, about speaking to people about God. So they're kind of opposite. First couple verses, speaking God God about people. Last couple verses, speaking to people about God. But it all has to do with prayer, and with our words, and with our speech. So let's start there in verse 2. It says, verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now Paul is making an assumption here, right here in verse 2. He starts off that sentence with continue. What do you think his assumption is? That you're already doing it. That's exactly right. When he says that word, he's assuming that prayer is already something that is present in the life of these believers in, in this church. He's assuming that they are already spending time talking to God and listening to God. And that makes sense because prayer in the life of a believer, that's something that should kind of be happening regularly. I mean, when when we look at Scripture, we, we talk about different things we see in Scripture, like reading your Bible, a quiet time, prayer, silence. We did that last week, got really awkward around one minute and then we went a whole nother minute. Some of these things we call spiritual disciplines, prayer is one of those things. Because the truth is, prayer doesn't come naturally for most of us. We, we struggle with it, as we just talked about. But what Paul is assuming here is that prayer is already happening. In fact, have you guys ever heard what we call from Scripture the Lord's Prayer before? When Jesus is talking to the disciples, and He says, you know, if you're going to pray, but he, he doesn't say if you're going to pray. Do you know what word He uses? I heard it. Say it again. When. He starts off the Lord's Prayer by saying, when you pray. He doesn't say if. He doesn't say when you get around to it. He says when you pray. There's an expectation throughout the New Testament here that that in the life of a disciple, prayer is going to be a normal part of your life. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, prayer sometimes is one of the first things that we neglect when it comes to following Christ. And it's not because we've got this this thought of, you know, I'm just not going to pray today. I don't feel like talking to God. I don't want to hear from God. It's because we let ourselves get busy and we just let other things push it out of the way. I mean, we all know that we struggle with paying attention or staying awake. We just get so busy. But the truth is, according to what we're seeing here, he says continue, not just continue, but continue what? Steadfastly, persistent in prayer. He's saying, if you're going to do this, and you should be doing this, but you should be doing this with purpose. It's not just, hey, God, thanks for the food. That's where a lot of us stop in prayer. Thank you, God, for our food. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, God, we all are fed. That's where we stopped in my house. I know some of y'all have like a little bit more verse that goes there. But that's where we leave prayer sometimes. We never go deeper than that surface level. And he's saying right here, he's saying... Continue steadfastly in prayer. Spend time really talking to God. And you need to understand that prayer is not just, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need this. Yes, we do lift our cares to God. We do lift our needs to God. But prayer also involves that awkward time that we did last week. It involves silence. It involves taking a minute and letting God speak to you. Now, you may never be in your prayer time and hear someone go, I'm listening. I hear what you want. No, you can't have that new car. No, you can't have that boyfriend. But you can have that boyfriend. We don't get answers like that most of the time, do we? If you do, come talk to me. I want to hear that story. Okay? But, God does speak to us. And God speaks to us in different ways when we get silent and we listen after we've talked to God. And we have the opportunity to hear from Him. But that's why Paul talks about this fact that you've got to be steadfast in your prayer, consistent, constantly going before God. As believers, we have been given access to the creator and sustainer of the universe. And we have the opportunity to bring our cares and our concerns and our needs and our praises before Him. Why would we not want to do that? So Paul lays out there that there's an expectation. And then he goes on and he says in that same verse, he says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. To be watchful. When I see those two phrases together, to to watch and pray, the first thing that comes to mind for me is when Jesus is talking to those couple disciples when he goes into the garden before he's arrested, before he's beaten, before he's crucified. He said this in Matthew 26, 41. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was telling His disciples here, you need to be aware, you need to pay attention to what's going on around you. Because He says right there, if you're not, you may fall into temptation. You want to do the right thing. We all want to do the right thing. That's what it means by the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you, and don't raise your hands on this, but you've had a situation or you've had something happening in your life and you've wanted to make the right choice, but at the end of the day, you didn't. You made the other one. And it's not because you didn't have good intentions. It's not because you didn't want to do the right thing, but it's because the flesh is weak. And that's why Jesus says that there. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's why Paul says in Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. He's saying you have to be aware of what is going on around you. We need to be awake. We need to pay attention. And we need to know what is happening in our world. And in the midst of all of that, be thankful for who God is even when the world goes crazy. Let what you see happening influence your prayer life. Because if you're spending time in God's Word, at least in some way, you're starting to see what God's will is for you. And what God's will is for his creation. And as we pay attention to what's happening in the world around us, those two things should coincide in our prayer life. And by that word coincide, if you don't know what that means, that means they come together. What you see happening in the world that doesn't honor God, and what you know scripture says we are to do to honor God, when they come together in our prayer life, we have the opportunity to pray and talk to God about what's happening in our world. And scripture tells us that God hears our prayers. That's huge. To know that every single one of us sitting in this room, if we simply pray to God and talk to him, he hears us and he listens to us. And we have the opportunity to speak to and hear from the creator and sustainer of all things. Such a simple concept, but such a huge, huge thing that can happen in our lives every single day. And then Paul goes on in verse 3. He says, at the same time, now he's starting to get a little more specific, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for, for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So Paul is moving from this big idea that prayer is necessary, it's needed in the life of believers, and he's stepping into some specific things he's asking the Colossians to pray for. He said, okay, you need to be on your knees, you need to pray, you need to talk to God, now let me give you some things that really you need to pray for. And and as he does this, he's asking them to pray for himself and the people that he's working with. And he's asking that they would pray that God would open doors for them to preach the Gospel of Jesus. Stop and think about that for a moment. Where is Paul when he's writing this? Jail. If you were in jail, what would probably be your number one concern at the moment? Getting out of jail. Absolutely right. But that's not what Paul asks for when it comes to prayer. He doesn't say, hey, church... I need you to pray that we will get out of this prison so that we will be able to go around and do the things that we're supposed to do so we can talk to people about Jesus, so we can plant churches, so we can do all of these things. That's not what Paul prays. What Paul says is, I want you to pray that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Even in prison... A situation that most of us would be praying, God, please get me out of. Paul is saying, God, please open a door in here so that I can share the gospel with somebody. That's huge. And here's why that's that's huge for us. Because don't miss this truth that sits right there. And that's not even the main point of where we're going tonight. But a lot of times when we're in situations that are uncomfortable, situations we don't like, situations we think should be over in our lives, we will ask God, God, please make this stop. God, please get me out of this situation. Make this pain end. Make it so I don't have to deal with this anymore. But it may be that God has you there because God has an opportunity in that situation for you to be a witness for him. Maybe we don't need to say, God, get me out of this. Maybe we need to say, God, show me what I'm supposed to do here. What am I supposed to be learning? What are you teaching me? Who am I supposed to reach in this situation that I really don't like? but I know you've got me here for a purpose. That's that's what Paul is saying here. He's asking for prayer that he and the others would have the opportunity to preach, to share the gospel right where they are. You may need to ask God to use you right in the middle of that difficult situation that you wish more than anything in the world you could be out of right now. Because God may be wanting to use you there, but you haven't talked to him about it that way yet. Don't miss that. He's asking them to pray for an opportunity for Him to preach. And the fact that He would have the strength and the boldness to make the most of that opportunity. So that when that opportunity arises, I mean, maybe you guys have faced a situation before where God has opened a door and you have the opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. To show them who He is in your life. To show them the forgiveness that they can receive from Jesus, and you shied away from it. I know I've done that way too many times in my life. I, I, I don't know if I've, I've probably shared this with you before, but I, my mom's mom, at one point in time, she was in hospice. She was on her deathbed, and, and I had the intent to go in to visit her and share the gospel with her because, as far as I know, she was not saved. She didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I went in there with that purpose. My mom left the room. I was getting ready to share with her. And one of the the nurses walked in. And as soon as she walked in, you know what I did? I shut my mouth. And I never said a word to her. And she passed away. I don't know where she's spending her eternity. I have no idea. But I didn't have the courage and the boldness to share. Some lady that I've never seen. For all I know, I wasn't just supposed to share with my granny. I was supposed to share with that nurse, too. But I shied away from it. Paul is saying, pray that I will have the boldness, the courage to speak up when that opportunity arises. And and honestly, guys, I pray that for you on a regular basis. I pray that for myself, too. Because I know how scary it can be. I know the fear of rejection, the fear of what are people going to think? What are people going to say? Are they still going to want to be around me and talk to me? Are they going to think I'm weird? Are they going to want nothing to do with me? But at the end of the day, none of that matters. What matters is do they have a relationship with Jesus? And that's the opportunity Paul is praying for. He's saying, I want to declare this mystery of Christ. We've seen that word in this book before. He's talked about the mystery of Christ. And this is something that for years and generations, people didn't understand until Jesus came. And the mystery was was revealed in the gospel of His birth, death, and resurrection. Paul is saying, I need strength. I need the, the courage, the boldness, to speak the truth of the gospel. You and I as disciples of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, we've been given the same call to reveal that mystery to a world that doesn't know who Jesus is. We've been given that same opportunity every single day. Do you pray for the boldness to take advantage of those opportunities? Do you pray for the courage to speak and be who God has called us to be. Question to think about. Now Paul shifts. He goes from talking to God about people and moves over to talking to people about God. He says this in verse 5. He says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders making the best use of the time. Walk in wisdom. Paul is constantly writing in this book and in other books about how believers, especially here about how Colossians believers are to walk and live out their faith. And he's saying right here, you need to walk in wisdom specifically among those who are not Christians. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. People who have not put their faith and their trust in Jesus. He's saying, hey, you've been given a calling and you need to speak wisely around people that don't know Jesus. You know, sometimes maybe you guys have seen or heard different people that have have preached or shared the gospel sin is a very heavy weighty thing and when we share the gospel we have to help make sure people understand the depth of their sin but sometimes people never get to the forgiveness and the grace and mercy of god and they just say you're going to hell you're going to hell you're going to hell is that true yes yes Is it always wise to camp out there and never give them the second part of the gospel? No. And we've got to walk wisely. We've got to make sure. That's why he goes on in the very next verse and says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each question. He's saying you have a responsibility, disciples, To share the gospel with Jesus. And you can't share the gospel without helping them understand the depth and weight of their sin. And the guilt and the condemnation that comes with that. Once they understand that, you get to share the good news of the gospel. Why Jesus died on the cross. The fact that he rose from the tomb to save them from their sin... And you need to understand that's going to be a different conversation with every person you speak to that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. We have methods. We have ways that you can share the gospel. Pastor Brian talked about it this past Sunday, talking about a church that practices evangelism. And he's absolutely right. We have to do that. And we have different ways you can do that. There's, he mentioned evangelism explosion and the, the faith program and life in three circles. And the, there's uh, share through prayer. There's, there's probably... 20 different ways that we can train you on how to share the gospel. But what you need to understand is that no one way is right for every single person that you will ever share with. That's why it says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to speak to each person. Just like each individual is different, every gospel interaction in your life is going to be different. And we've got to trust God to give us the right words at the right time to talk to people about Jesus. So, what does this have to do with you? I want you to ask yourself two questions tonight. The first one is this. Am I praying regularly for myself and for others? Just think about that for a second. Am I praying regularly for myself and for others? If the answer to that question is no, then I would offer this advice. It's time to start a conversation with God. And just so you know, that doesn't mean you have to be in a church service and get down on your knees in front of the steps and close your eyes. You can talk to God anywhere, anytime. Something Ms. Kathleen shared with me a long time ago is she'll pray and have conversations with God driving down the road when the radio's off and the kids aren't in the car. Because it's the quiet time that she has. She doesn't close her eyes. Just, just She's safe. But you can talk to God anywhere. But there is something to be said for that focused time. Start a conversation with God about what's happening in your life. You have the opportunity, just as Paul asked for here, Paul asked for prayer for himself and for those around him. You have the opportunity to pray for the other people in this room. The other people that are also struggling. The other people that have totally separate lives. And when they walk out of this building that you know nothing about, And yet, all of us claim to be disciples of Jesus. We have the opportunity to lift each other up in prayer. And I want to encourage you tonight when we start singing, if you feel led to pray, maybe it's about yourself, maybe it's about somebody else, take a moment and do that before you stand and sing. You can sit in your chair and do it, you can stand and do it, you can kneel down, you can come up here, you can pray anywhere. But that's question number one. Am I praying regularly for myself and others? And the second question is this. Are your words filled with grace and seasoned with salt? There's a whole lot of context we could put that in. Are your words filled with grace and seasoned with salt? Do you have a reputation for using your words well and kindly? Because if we don't, if our reputation is somebody that doesn't speak kindly to and about others... If our reputation is the way we talk about people and we talk to people in an ugly way, guess who people aren't going to want to listen to if you start to try and share the gospel? The way that we speak affects our opportunity, especially to people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Are your words encouraging Are they words that are compassionate? Are they words that lift other people up and show the love of Christ that you say is in you? If they are, it's wonderful. Take a moment tonight and thank God that he has blessed you that way, and given you the ability to speak that way to people, especially those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. If that doesn't describe you, Take a moment and ask God to start working on that area of your life. No matter what you do, spend a moment in prayer. Not just to talk to God, but to let God talk to you. Let's pray. God, we do thank you. We thank you, God, that we can come together. We can spend time in your word. We can spend time in prayer God, I know I struggle. I know there's got to be people in this room that struggle with just having a conversation with you. And our biggest struggle sometimes, God, is the fact that we do all the talking and we don't ever do any of the listening. God, I pray right now, help us. Help us to listen to you. God, I pray for boldness for this group. I pray, God, that you will give every one of us the strength that when those opportunities arise, and I pray that you will give us those opportunities to share the gospel of your Son Jesus with people. God, I pray that every single one of us will have the courage and the boldness to speak the truth of your love. And that love that comes in spite of our sin. God, I pray for everyone in this room pray that if there's anybody in here tonight, God, that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray right now that you would help them to feel the weight of their sin, to know the separation that exists. And God, I pray that they'll also feel your love. God, help us to come before you.